<laughs> Good morning. Turn me please to Genesis chapter 12. You got Genesis chapter 12? So her page is churning. As soon as you get to 12, turn back to 11. We are picking up now in our study of uh, the first half of Genesis. And I'm going to call this kind of uh, the way I look at it. I know there's many, I'm trying to say this is doctrinal. I mean, this is the way my mind pictures it. This is like act three. You know, act one is, is Adam, creation, the fall, and all the, his descendants. Act two is kind of like Noah. God wipes the earth, starts over. Now it's act three. Abraham's how I look at the story. I break it down into chunks in my mind. And if we start with, uh, we're going to read a little bit, but I want to get some context. Uh, Genesis 11, starting in verse 27. Now Terah, uh, by the way, is Abram's father. And I believe he is a descendant of Shem. I don't believe I know. All right. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, or Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Marah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time to be in your word as we always are. Thank you for the time together to worship, to fellowship, to pray, uh, but also understand the teaching of your word. So may you lead us this morning, reveal yourself to us in your word. Be glorified, be our teacher, uh, be our spiritual guide, uh, and just be glorified through this. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Abram now is a descendant of Terah. And Terah is a descendant of Shem. You remember the map, how the, how the world was bro broken out. And uh, God says to Abraham, get out of your country. He doesn't say, hey, man, I need you to move. It's not written that way. 
He doesn't say, hey, I got something for you. You got to check this out. There's a real strong leading and direction from God and that, that's not just what, but there's actually a why hidden in this word, in this, in this passage. Get out of your country. Get out of everything you know. Leave behind the world that you knew and come to a new place. You need to forget what you knew. You need to get out of that. I'm not just talking about relocating you physically. I'm talking about changing you. Okay, because Ur is probably a place that was right now we would call South Iraq. Some people think it was maybe more north uh, towards uh, Iran, but in the maps most usually show it what we would call today Southern Iraq. And where they move up to now is what's southern Turkey, right near the Syrian border. That's where they relocate to. And then they're going to come back down to Canaan. So they're going to make kind of this big circle around the desert. Ur, as far as we know, is a place of idolatry. It's a place of wickedness. So God says, I don't want you to move and take all that with you. We're going to do something different. So you've got to leave all that behind. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Okay, good, because it should. I don't know much about Abram's father, but it was Abram was told to leave your family and get out of the country. But yet he takes his father in Lot. And probably his, his brother Nahor is not actually listed, but he probably went too after Haran died, because later we're going to find historically, right, this land up in what becomes Nahor and Haran in Turkey, that is where Abram is going to send his servant to get a wife for Isaac. It's where Jacob is going to flee to and meet Leah and Rachel. So when we talked last week, I hope you guys listened to the messages or heard them. If not, I really want to pressure you and encourage you, pressure you in a loving way to listen to those messages from Steve Price about the sovereignty of God. Because it is so evident here when we are able to look back historically See, what God took Abram out of, where he brought him to, and then where he ended up, and then what came after that, it's the sovereignty of God. God did not say, go up to Turkey or Haran and hang out for a while and then move on when I tell you. God told him, go to Canaan, but leave your family behind. Leave your father's house, but Abram takes his father with him. So scripture doesn't say this. But I'm just kind of logically figuring out that maybe they had to stay there for a while until his father Terah died because he could not take him into the land. Maybe he was bringing his idolatry of Ur with him. But here's the beauty of God. God doesn't stop with Abram. He doesn't say, I told you to go to Canaan. You didn't. You didn't listen. You stopped in Haran. Forget you. I'm going to find somebody else. That's not the way God works, is it? That is not the way God works. God continued his instruction to Abram. I want you to go to Canaan. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. So even though you stopped there, we're going to use that. We're going to acquire wealth. We're going to acquire people. We're going to acquire property. We're going to acquire animals. You're going to take all that into you, with you to Canaan. But if we want to look at it, it doesn't explicitly say it, but in a way there's, there's really an indication of almost a partial disobedience on Abram's part that he does not go to Canaan, that he stops there. But God uses that in his sovereignty for Abram's family to stay there so that he can get wives for his sons there, so he can acquire property and bring it with him. 
but he's not able to go into Canaan until his father dies. I think that there's a picture there that Abram was disobedient and his father was just an idolater who could not come into the land. That's, that's the view I'm going to take on it. But the important thing that we need to take from this is one of our, learn, one of our messages we're going to learn from Abram and ourselves is that when God calls and says, I need you to leave everything behind, we need to leave everything behind. We'll talk about it some more probably, but it's so important to recognize that challenge. It wasn't easy for Abram. He brought his father with him. And look what he does with Lot. Lot's father has died. Abram is actually the youngest brother. Though he's listed first genealogically in the, or sort of in the, in the verses, Abram is actually the youngest. And he takes in his older brother's son like his own. He takes in his brother's orphaned son. What a beautiful picture. We call him Father Abraham because he's the father of faith. But do you see the beauty in the picture of God in that? The adoptive love. He's not my own, but I'm going to take him in like he's my own. Now, what ends up happening? Is Lot a blessing to Abram? <laughs> no, he's the farthest thing from it. How are we as adopted children to God? Are we a blessing? Are we a pain in the neck? Think about it. There's a beautiful picture there of God and his love and his adoption for us. So Abram takes his son Lot with him. But it's important that he's got to leave these things behind because God is going to do something new with him. This is one of the most critical moments in Scripture. One of the, most, <laughs> one of the most critical moments in Scripture because everything changes at this moment. When Abram comes into Canaan and God makes this promise to him, right? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The magnitude of what God has just stated is incredible. This is where God is taking man from constantly falling, constantly failing, and now he's going to bring in the actual path that we need for redemption. This is our path to redemption. Because it's from Abraham he's going to make a great nation. From the great nation, he's going to bring forth the law and the prophets. And from the law and the prophets, we get the Messiah. And from Messiah, we get salvation. This moment changes everything in the world. Changes everything. Just by God's promise to Abram right here. Everything is new. Everything is different. When we step out, we need to step out. As Abram steps out in faith and trusts God, does he get this land? Does he get this land? No. God says, I'm going to show you. Does Abram need the fulfillment of promise to trust God? That's what faith is. It's a lot of what Steve talked about last week. Can we stand upon the promises of God and trust Him for the outcome, which we may never see? Think about that. There are things in your life right now you may be praying for, people you're praying for, 
generations that are going to be impacted by your walk right now, your obedience right now. This world can be changed generations from now by something you do in this moment. The pedal in the pond ripple effect, right? Do you need to see the outcome of God to have faith? Because we shouldn't. What is the relationship of Abram to God that he has this faith? What has God done? He's called him. He's revealed himself to him, and he's called him, and that's all Abram needs to pack up and go. All nations are blessed because of this, and we are those who are most richly blessed. This is what we call a foundational truth. We Gentiles are saved through faith because of what Abram does right now. We are blessed. We receive it. God's promise of this is fulfilled. And he does not give up. He repeats this throughout the generations. It starts with Abram, but God does not end it there. And we wait for some time now where someone looks back and goes, hey, wait a minute, what is that? In Malachi, chapter 1, verse 11, God says, For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God's plan has always been to redeem everyone. Everyone who will hear the call, everyone who will follow. Turn with me to Isaiah 49. Please, please. The prophecy of, of the Messiah. Isaiah 49, verse 6. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel. And he has chosen you. God's prophecy of the Messiah is not something that man made up later when something was discovered. From the beginning, God's plan was always that those of us who are not of the Hebrew generation of the, of the, of the Exodus and of Moses and of the law could be redeemed. In his uh, Pentecost declaration, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, please. Peter's sermon after Pentecost. People say, what is going on? Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, the house of Israel, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, 
Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. God begins with the call of Abraham. Just the call of Abram. And it comes fulfilled in Jesus Christ thousands of years later that all who hear the call will be saved. All who hear the call. Turn me to Galatians chapter 3. It's encouraged when our brothers share this at the Lord's Supper this morning. Actually, that was Romans 4. I read Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. I was going to look at Romans 4, but you know what? We have about, I think if I, if I look at it right, we've got about two more months of the life of Abraham. And it's all based on faith. So I'm not going to dig up all of it right now, partly because we're all tired because of the time change. And I don't want to bore you that much, but we also got to go through it for a couple of months. A lot of these things like Romans 4 are actually going to be more practical when we look at the life of Isaac. Look what he says here in Galatians 3. Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Jump down to 24. I'm sorry, 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This promise is going to come up again with Isaac. It's important to know, as God brings this covenant with Abraham, that faith was revealed. Righteousness through faith was revealed before the law came. That's how we know. That's how we have the confidence in the Word that we know we are saved through faith and not by law because faith came first. You can study that in Romans 4 too. So going back to the Haran hiatus, maybe it wasn't a bad thing. We've seen other times in Scripture where God uses stages to prepare people for their ministry, doesn't he? Didn't Moses have to spend 40 years learning how to be a shepherd before he redeemed the people of Israel? Didn't David have to run for his life for years from Saul before he actually became king, even though he was already anointed king? Christ waited three years in his ministry before being crucified. And there are other promises. So we need to understand as we take this step of faith, we follow the call, and we're trusting the sovereignty of God, we need to have the awareness that God uses stages to prepare us to follow that call. Sometimes we think we know what God wants us to do, and we get frustrated it's not happening right now. God, I thought you wanted me to do this. Maybe he's doing something in your life to prepare you 
for the bigger, greater goal. Maybe Abram had to stay in Haran for a little while, lose his father, acquire some things, learn some things, but continue to grow his faith before God called him into the land of Canaan. Maybe Abram was just being disobedient. I honestly don't know. But either way, it's a beautiful picture to think about and learn from. But as we consider the sovereignty of God and the promises of God, and we get into the the nitty-gritty details now of our life, our call, our walk, are we willing to be patient and trust God, like Abram, that we may never see the result of the promise? Maybe God is really talking to your heart about something, and he's calling you to serve in some way or to work in some way, to serve him in some way, bless others in some way, but you're not seeing the fruit. Maybe he's just showing you there's going to be fruit. There's going to be a land, and others are going to be blessed. But right now, you just got to trust me. You just got to trust me because I'm God. And I'm the only one you trust. I'm the only one you can trust. I'm the only one you should trust. I'm the only one you need to trust because he's God. Where are you today? Are you in your own Haran, waiting? Has God shown you something that he wants you to do? Are there things that you have not left behind? God said, get out of your country, leave your family, and go where I tell you. Maybe things aren't coming to fruition because we just haven't done that yet. We haven't taken that step of obedience. There's worldliness that we come from. Maybe you haven't let it go yet. Maybe you need to examine that with God. I know I do. It's it's a big challenge. Sometimes I kind of envy the missionaries who just get to pack up and go to another country and start over. Right? There's no holidays with families. (laughs) There's just like it's just us and God. It's it's kind of cool. Kinda I kind of envy that a little bit. But don't think that that's what God has to call you to to get out of your country. That's not what God has to do in you. You can do it right now. Now, when Abram comes into Canaan, he stops at a place called Shechem. Go back there. Let's go back to Genesis 12. In verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were there in the land, were then in the land. This place is actually very significant. It's kind of beautiful that God has Abram stop here for a moment when he comes into the land. This is like kind of in the middle. So it's not, he probably stopped other places, but this is the one that's recorded. This is where Jacob digs his well, Jacob's well. This is a special land when Joseph is dying and he's still in Egypt and he's telling all his sons what partial of Canaan they're going to get, this is a special additional land giving just to Joseph. Jacob actually says, I fought the Amorites and took that land back. They took it from me and I took it back. It's a special place. When they come back, this is where Joseph's bones are going to be buried. This is where Joseph said, I mean, uh, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Having a James moment. 
This is where Jesus met the Samaritan woman. He said, I am the Messiah. The first place God has Abram stop and build an altar in worship is the first person Jesus stops at, the first place Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. The Samaritan woman is the first person actually Jesus says, I am he that you seek. This place is powerful. It's the first place Abram stops when he comes to the land of Canaan. And it's the first place that Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Others are following him, but it's the first place he reveals who he is. What a powerful place. And what does Abram do when he gets there? The Lord says, to your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. It's important to, I'm going to use the old fire drill, stop, drop, and worship. Stop, drop, and worship. We do not need the fulfillment of what we think God's promise is to stop, drop, and worship. Just the momentary reminder, this one day is going to be credible. God, I'm going to worship you right now. We need the reminder, not just on Sunday morning, I don't want to be so legalistic about it, but ongoing individual personal worship needs to happen with God regularly, in the moments, in the moments that he reveals himself, in the moments that we, we feel inspired. Abram had to build an altar and put a burnt offering on top of it, right? There's still burnt offerings at this time. That's how they made worship. That's why he built an altar. We have our sacrifice. We can just drop to our knees and worship God in the Lord Jesus Christ in his name and give thanks to him and praise him. And he can worship right now in this moment just because God said one day this will be your descendants. Let's not hesitate to do worship in the moments that God inspires our heart and the reminders of who he is, what he's doing in our life. Don't wait for the outcome to say, thank you, God, for doing that. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for what you're going to be doing. Thank you, God, for what I don't even know is going to happen, but I know it's going to be good because you're doing it. We can do that right now. We don't need outcomes. We don't need outcomes. We just need God and a reminder of who he is. Do I need to know where I'm going to trustingly obey? Or can I rely on him who I'm obeying to fearlessly follow? Steve said, faith is mandatory. I'm going to extend that. I don't think this was in his slide. Maybe if I'm repeating him, I apologize. Faith requires obedience. Right? Faith requires obedience. What God says we need to do. If we say we believe but we don't follow, we don't have any faith. We don't have faith like Abraham. And what we see through the scriptures, the encouragements we have, how many people of faith can you think of failed? Again, I'm going to remind you what I said earlier. God does not give up on you and I. We may stumble 
We may not complete what he wants us to do, but he does not give up. He does not say, I tried with you, I've had it, I'm going to find somebody else. There's been times in my life where I felt God wanted me to do something, and I, I'll just say I hesitated. Save face a little bit. And God used somebody else to do it, and I saw that. Now, I could take that as comfort and go, well, God, you got it done anyway. But you know what I really need to have is shame. Because I did not obey. But I know that God will still use me. He had to get something done that I refused to do. So in his purpose, that had to be accomplished. But that doesn't mean he's done with me. That doesn't mean he's just like, I've tried with you, Greg. I just, you just never listen. You know what? He's going to keep calling. He's going to keep calling. He's going to keep calling. Because he has a purpose for each and every one of us. Don't let your, your hesitations, your failures, your harangues be that which keeps you from continuing on in faithfulness to God. There's more to be done. There's always more to be done. He can use that for us to learn. He uses that for us to grow. And don't think he doesn't know. Right? Don't think he doesn't know you're going to hesitate or stall or step back in fear. God, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me show you how it's done. Now do you believe me? See, I did it with him. You didn't do it, I used Joe. Do you see how easy it was? Next time I call you, you can do it. That's how God works. Also in Abram, as God makes these promises, and we realize, and we look back now, Abram as the father of faith, how much came from Abram in this obedience. I want us to be encouraged. Our legacy matters. Our legacy of faith matters. There are generations coming from you that you may not see now. You may not even see in the generations right now, but the generations that come from them and from them may be a tremendous blessing and used by God. Our job is to obey, trust God, and leave him to the outcome. There's two calls in the believer's life, I believe. Well, two parts. The first is the call to salvation. God says, I am your redeemer. Do you believe in me? He's calling. He calls all. Do, you, do we believe? Once we take that step of faith, the next call is, how is he going to use you? Abram could have stayed in Ur of the Chaldeans and worshipped God. But when God called Abram out of that country and away from his families because he had something for him to do, there's a second part to Abram's faith, and that is the action and the obedience and the legacy of what God has. I don't know the answer. How do I know I'm called? How do I know I'm called? I always envy the, like I said, the missionaries. Like I just knew I had to go to Ecuador or North Korea or something that's like, that's amazing, like that clear call from God. A lot of us are kind of like, mm, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. I just, he speaks to the heart. He speaks to the heart. We don't need to be discouraged or diminished because maybe what we feel what we feel is not magnanimous like going to another country is less significant than caring for our neighbor serving one another here doing the ministry here that God wants us to do those are the calls of God and they impact the generations they impact the legacy they impact um, the outpouring of the gospel they all make a difference we should never minimize our call compared to someone else's there's only one Abram. 
There's only one Abram. I don't need to be Abram. I just need to be obedient. What is God drawing to your heart? Who is God drawing to your heart? That's where you belong. He's going to call you there. I will skip a whole page of notes for you and say this. Here's my, if a tree falls in the wood question that I don't know the answer to. Was Abram called because of his faith? Or was he found to be faithful because he obeyed the call? Was Abram called because of his faith? Or was he found to be faithful because he obeyed the call? Paula knows. It's like chicken or the egg. Well, we know it was the chicken, right? Because God made everything. But in this instance, work together. How can you have faith in someone who doesn't call you yet? There has to be a call. But if you don't obey, how do you have faith? So there's a cycle that I want us to think about. Are we trusting God? Are we being obedient to God? Faith requires obedience. Faith is accounted as righteousness. Faith is not alive until it trusts and obeys. Abram did not need to see the promised land fulfilled to his people. He just needed to know his God and what he had for him. And that's all he needed to walk the rest of his life in faith and mess up a bunch of times and then walk in faith and then mess up a bunch of times, but walk in faith. And God kept his promise to Abram. God will keep his promise to us. I'm going to close this message in prayer. Then I'm going to open us up to corporate prayer and let's uh, pray for the assembly and the needs here and the health needs and a lot of things that we're, we're going through right now. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you so much for the story of Abram, for this man you used to bring something that we needed. You gave us faith. You used Abram thousands of years ago to establish what we had to have. Faith. Faith to believe in you. Faith to trust in you. And a faith that is accounted to righteousness because we are not. So God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ who was faithful to the cross who was obedient to the very death of the cross, that we might know newness of life. So, Father, we thank you again for your words, for your kindness and your love and mercy. We ask you to bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I will.